I'm going to be briefer today uh, because we have some opportunities uh, for us to be uh, the church in different ways. I'm grateful to be out there in the tank and baptizing those who have come to Christ. And um, It's all part of the, uh, the ministry that God has given us as his church. So we're going to talk about that today. But we've been talking about us as a church and how uh, we have this mission that we are seeking to fulfill. We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. I know you're passing plates, but I think you can do two things at once. Everybody read that with me. We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. I pray this is the last thing you think of before you go to sleep. Uh, and I pray it's the first thing you wake up to. That'd be nice. Uh, I won't hold you to that, but uh, this is who we are. This is what God has made us to be as his church. We seek to do that, uh, and we've been talking about these four things. We seek to do that in at least four areas. There's probably more, but these encompass a great deal of what it is to be a disciple who makes disciples. We want to worship God. That's how we bring him the glory that he deserves. We want to worship him and him alone. We want to belong to God and belong to those who belong to him, uh, to be available in community. Uh, we understand that this Christ life is a team sport and uh, we're meant to function together to become all that we're meant to be. Uh, we want to be multipliers. Uh, discipleship does not terminate with me. It's meant to go uh, from me to the lives of those around me. And uh, whether that be my children or my brothers and sisters, my parents, whatever the case. Uh, and then certainly to the friends that we have in the world, we want to be the multipliers uh, of the faith. And then finally, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, we want to be servants. If we have been saved, we have been saved to serve. Uh, we are the bodybuilders of the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, not the bodybuilders, uh, but those who have been called. To, we are the saints who have been equipped to build the body, to build the church, and to build uh, uh, what the church needs into it so it can be used of God. Today I want to talk about serving one more time, and then we're going to give us, ourselves a chance to be a part of service around here in tangible ways. I want us to uh, spend this time, this brief time together, just focusing on the big picture. If you're like me, a lot of times you can kind of go uh, forest for the trees. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can get kind of like here and just stressed out and focused on this as opposed to being able to see the bigger picture. And so my hope as we talk about service today is that you'll see the bigger picture. We're going to start with a familiar verse. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn, scroll, uh, you know, do a search, whatever. Here we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, who's heard this one? Anybody heard this one? Oh, way more people in this service than the last service. Way to go, way to go. You guys are awesome. Uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? He's new. He's a new creation. Uh, Paul goes on as he's writing to his friends in Corinth and he says, the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Anybody heard me reference this in some of the preaching that I've done around here? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a central theme of the Christ life. We're new. And how great is that? Let's pause for a second as we go bigger picture. Let's just pause. Everybody take a deep breath. Here we go. Let it out. All right, now think about the fact that you're new if you are in Christ. Some of us, we've never really known anything different. We grew up in a Christian home. We came to Christ six, seven, eight years old. We got baptized just like the people did today. And, and it's maybe not sunk in as deeply as it could or should, but if, if you are in Christ, you have been made new. You're a new creation. You, you may not appreciate this. You might think, well, I've always been pretty good. No, before you met Christ, you were not good. If we're being honest, you're probably not that great now. I mean, don't want to put you down. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm not either, right? We're all trying to figure this out. 
But let's, 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 at least for theology's sake, let's understand that before we meet Christ, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's no good, or at least not enough good, uh, that we would somehow um, deserve a relationship with God. The Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, that we're uh, like filthy rags. The, the very best that we can give, it's like filthy rags. We bring nothing um, to God, and yet he gives himself and his son Jesus to us. So if we're new, that means we have a new identity. We have a new destiny. We're, we're, we're destined for heaven. We have a, a new purpose, the, the gospel, and living for Jesus in this life. We've been given a new community. Everybody look around. Look around. Go ahead. Everybody look around. Do you see any, any other people in here in this great? He's given us each other in the body of Christ. I love being able to travel and, and God's given me the opportunity to go and serve him in countries around the world. And every time I land, uh, I'll, I'll land and there'll be someone there waiting for me from the church or from the ministry that I'm gonna be a part of. And I remember landing in Russia and Piotr, Peter, uh, picked me up. And uh, Piotr knew like three sentences in English. Come, was <laughs> the follow me. And I'm, I'm in Moscow, Russia, and I'm walking behind this guy I've never met, but I have this peace, why? Because he's family. He's me, I'm him, we're the body. And even though a culture separates us and a, and a language barrier separates us, uh, we speak the language of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's great, he's given us a new community to partake in, it's called the church. We are new, our life is new, and it's all because of the loving action of our God. I don't know if you, well you couldn't hear it, we didn't pipe it in today, but if you ever get to go and uh, be a part of a close-up of our baptismal services. I've been saying this for 15 years to everybody who's been baptized at our church. As they come out of the water, this is what I say to them. Walk in the newness of life. I'm sure I picked that up from another pastor, stole it somewhere. But have you ever said a word for a long time and wondered if it was really a word? Newness. I don't say newness a lot. I looked it up. It is a word. And it's totally fitting that I would say to someone who's coming out of the waters, um, hey, continue to walk in this new life. Walk in the newness of life. Don't settle for the old. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, many of us knew that verse before I started reading it and explaining it, but um, like so many popular verses, we don't really know the verses that come after or before, and so we're gonna talk about the verses that come after this one. And in the, the few verses that we're gonna cover this morning, my hope is this, is that we can better understand this new life that we've been given in Christ. We can better understand its origin. And then we could better grasp the responsibility that is ours if we are in it. We have been given this gift of reconciliation. New life is a gift of reconciliation from God. But this gift bears with it a responsibility, and we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk first of all about how this new life is ours from God. Uh, it's a gift that we could never deserve or earn. In fact, Paul writes it this way. He says all this, and he's referring in chapter five to, to lots of things that he's been saying. It's a great chapter. If you want to do some extra credit work today, go read it this afternoon. It's just incredible. It's just rife with awesome truth. But he says all this, and specifically this new life that we have in Christ, is from God. Not from us. You can't order it on Amazon. It's from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It says in verse 19, he says it again, he says, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message 
of reconciliation. That word reconcile is prominent there in that verse. It's the Greek word katalasso. Everybody say katalasso. Yeah, it's, a, it's a compound word. Alasso is the word that means change, uh, a word that means to make otherwise. You put the prefix kata in front of that and it means to exchange. It's basically gonna be a, a trade. There's gonna be something given and something received. When it's applied to relationships in the Bible, uh, it means to restore what's been broken or separated back to a favorable relationship, back to a good standing, back to whole. It's this exchange. When God, um, in his love, stooped down and made a way through Christ for you and I to be with him, um, he reconciled us. He brought about a change through an exchange. Now, let's be clear. Like I said before, we didn't bring anything to the exchange. Like, not anything of value, right? Like, we didn't come to God and say, okay, here's my good works. I went to church on, you know, September, what is it, 8th? On, you know, and, and, uh, and I, you know, I did all these things, and here's what I've got, and then you give me what you've got. No, we came empty, nothing, dead, zero. And God gave us through Christ himself. He reconciled us uh, by putting upon Christ the required payment of our sin. Let's be clear about God. Um, he is gracious, uh, but he is just. And so he couldn't just you know, wave his hands and be like, everybody's saved. Some people actually believe that. Because God is love, he's gonna save everybody. And why wouldn't he? Well, God is just. And he's not just gonna blow past our sin. He, it has to be recompensed for, it has to be paid for. And so, to honor his just side, God put the sins of all of mankind on our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, it says later in the same chapter uh, that for our sake, God the Father made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. As I was reading my uh, books on the topic this, this weekend, or this past week preparing for this, uh, this is a huge section. This verse, lots of people have written about this because it's hard for us to get our minds around uh, someone who is perfect, Jesus, the Son of God, someone who knew no sin, becoming sin for us. At the very least, we could say that Jesus, who was perfect and for, for us a perfect sacrifice, took all of our sins, he bore our sins on the cross and paid the price. Death on a cross, horrible. Every time we come to Good Friday, please remember, it was a wretched, painful, uh, unjust, full of suffering death. But the worst part of the crucifixion of our Savior Jesus Christ was your sin and my sin upon him as he paid the price for what our sins deserve. So God restored us to himself when we had no way of doing so uh, otherwise. And, and we get kind of tastes of that in the world that we live in. A few years ago, I was standing behind a, a lady at, at one of the Walmarts here in town, and she had gotten all of her groceries, and um, she had you know, scanned all through those. The lady behind the desk was scanning them all, and she announced the price, and this woman went, went to grab the debit card that was in her wallet, except that debit card was not in her wallet. Has anybody been in this line? Yeah, and she, you know, I think muttered something under her breath about her husband or boyfriend, I don't know which, and, and, uh, and, and then immediately, because she was shocked by the uh, uh, you know, realization, she starts rifling through her purse, you know, this suitcase with a strap, um, <laughs> looking for other means of uh, legal tender. You know, she's hauling quarters out and found her chapstick, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, but she's not going to come up with the allotted price. And she, there's a line and she's starting to feel it. And 
I think she had a baby in the front of her buggy and all that stuff. Anyway, um, I'm not this guy uh, all the time at all, but on this particular day, the Holy Spirit um, uh, caused me to do something righteous and not even in like a, you know, I, I actually walked up around the girl and I just said, hey, man, that's okay. Don't worry about it. And I swiped my card, right? Oh yeah, no, thank you. It's the only time it's ever happened. Anyway, uh, <laughs> But she was, you know, very appreciative, and the lady behind the Walmart counter was like, I can't believe you did that. And I said, yeah, just give her her groceries. Let's go. And uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. I didn't say that at all. But that, that was just a, that, that's, that's just a small something of what happened, as Paul's describing it here, that, that God reconciled us to himself. He, he took what we couldn't pay for, and pay, but, it, but it breaks down so fast. Because here's the deal, guys. She could have gone home and found the debit card. Sure, well, they would have had to restock the groceries, but she was in the grocery store because she knew he, she had the means to purchase her groceries. She just didn't have it on her. She could have come back in hours and had done it for herself. That's, that's where it breaks down. You know, good on you if you help someone change their tire, but they, they weren't going to probably die there on the side of the road. Please keep helping, but understand that it's, it's not the same in what God has done for us. See, because we were helpless, hopeless, w- without any way of paying. And Jesus paid it all. Jesus was hanging on the cross. It tells us in John chapter 19, verse 30, that when Jesus had received this sour wine, it was kind of a mocking provision for him. He had thirst, and so they gave him something that was not fit to drink. And when he had been given this sponge to drink from, uh, it tells us in the book of John, it tells us more in the other gospels, but it says here in the book of John, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He died. That word, it is finished, is, is a Greek word. It's three words in English, but it's one word in Greek. It's tetelestai. Uh, it's a Greek word that means it is finished. But it comes from commerce. And in commerce, if you uh, owed a debt... Uh, uh, and couldn't pay it, you would actually have to go to prison. And if your family couldn't pay it for you, they, you just sit in prison. Anybody grateful you don't live? Yeah, credit card owners. Anyway, um, they would write the, the number that was owed uh, on, a, on a parchment that would be posted next to your cell. And, uh, and when someone from your family or a friend came and bailed you out, literally bailed you out uh, by paying your debts, uh, they would write that word, to Tetelestai. It means paid in full. And so, put another way, Jesus, dying on his cross, says this about you and me, paid in full. It's finished. Your debt has been satisfied by my sacrifice. So appreciate the new life. It came at a great cost. It's not free. It cost our Savior his everything. The new life, as uh, we finish, is... uh, it's not just a gift of reconciliation from God. New life is, is this life that's meant to be lived on a mission of reconciliation for God. Let's read those same verses, and, and I'll highlight some different lines in it. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and what? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And Paul says, if you didn't weren't picking up what I was putting down, let me, let me say it to you again this way. He says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them because of Christ, and entrusting to us, one more time, the message of reconciliation. He, uh, 
he puts the two together. Paul's understanding of reconciliation is that we receive it so that we can extend it. We get reconciled so that we can be agents of God's reconciliation. They go together. It's like, it's like peanut butter and jelly. If you eat peanut butter sandwiches, stop that. That's not how they're supposed to work. And if you eat jelly sandwiches, just admit it. It's a donut. That's all you're eating. That's, all, that's it. <laughs> it's supposed to go together. And in the Christ life, our reconciliation, which is a gift from God that comes through Christ, is meant to be coupled with a serving Christ on his mission as ministers of his reconciliation here in the world. I'm doing lots of weddings coming up. It's a busy marriage season. So excited for the couples that I get to marry. Uh, for them to be together, I, I love my wife and when people ask me how long we've been married, I, I always say not long enough. I really mean that, and, and I enjoy uh, being married to her. Um, but how weird would it have been for Eleanor and I to get to our wedding, and for any of these young kids getting to their weddings you know, in the next couple months, to go through the whole process, the big shebang, the big party, the dress, the tuxes, uh, go to the party afterward, and then at the end of that uh, ceremony, that time together as family and friends, they just went home and never started living together or doing life together as husband and wife. I know many of the grooms are like, that's not how that's gonna end, Mark. That's not how that's gonna end at all. We've been waiting. Anyway. <laughs> but how weird would that be? To, to make a covenant and then not live in it. It's crazy. Why bother? I tell couples all the time, listen, I'll hang out with you on your wedding. I hope it's a beautiful day. I hope the tuxes work and the dress is nice. And I hope the food's right. Really hope the food's right. Anyway, uh, but I'll hang out with you today because you're a pastor. I'm not concerned about your wedding. I mean, I hope it's great, but I'm mostly concerned about the days that follow your wedding. I'm concerned about your marriage. I want you to stay together. I want you to live in covenant. I want you to learn everything that God has for you to learn in marriage that you couldn't learn otherwise. I hope it's awesome. That's my chief concern. But how crazy would it be for people to get married and never enter into that covenant existence. Yet that's what so many Christians do. Now I'm, I'm staring at a room full of people who get this. You came to Christ and, and, and whether it was ingrained in you in the church you grew up in or here if this was your first or, or you just kind of sensed it as God has taught you in his own times with him, that you were uh, gifted and given reconciliation so that you could be you know, ministers of reconciliation. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for the many who serve here, who understand that this life with Christ is a life lived serving Christ. Thank you so much. But there's some of us in here, that hasn't set in yet. Like you're grateful that you know, Jesus saved you from your sins and you're not gonna have to go to hell now and you get to go to heaven. But hey, just let me come and soak, man. Let me come and be served. Does everybody remember that Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to die as a ransom for many. If, you, if, you're, if that's your understanding of the Christ life, that I'm just here to be served and to soak, I would question whether you've really accepted Christ and understood him. Yes, I just said that. I would question if you, if you had a full grasp on what has happened in this exchange, this reconciliation that you've experienced. Because the Christ life is not a, a life that's about you. It's about Christ. It's about those that he loves. And service is the mark of the Christ life.
I, uh, I wear a wedding ring. Those couples that get married in a couple months, we'll put one of these on, both of them. It's a symbol of uh, my covenant with my bride. Uh, a reminder that every day we wake up to life together. And she serves me and I try to serve her and, and, and we do this as a result of the promise that was made. Uh, another symbol that has kind of bounced around our culture for the last four or 500 years is this uh, symbol of, of the frock, the, 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 the priestly collar. Have you ever seen one of those? My buddy Travis, he likes those. He told me though where, where the, the idea came from. He came from priests certainly wanting to be identified, you know, having a uniform that was recognizable in the culture they lived in, but, but they chose the collar because it was an, a symbol of the slavery that they had given themselves to. It's meant to be this picture of, of the chains that would be around a slave's neck. It was a reminder for them, as Paul would refer to himself in his writings, that they were bond servants of Jesus Christ, that they were here for the pleasure of their king to serve as he sees fit. Now, I'm not going to put on the collar, at least not yet. But yesterday I was thinking, how can we kind of remind ourselves? I just had a rubber band on my, on my desk and I wrapped it around my finger on the opposite finger of my wedding ring. Uh, I've actually provided rubber bands for everybody today if you'd like to take one. They're on these red tables and out there at the red tables as we get closer to that, I'll explain what we're going to do with those. But, but I encourage you, put a rubber band on that finger. And every time you look at it, just remember, I'm a servant. In the same way that I, if you're married, in the same way that I entered a covenant in this relationship, I've entered a covenant in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm his. It goes on in the, in the writings of the Corinthians here. Paul says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There was probably people in the church in Corinth who had kind of like maybe some of you sitting here been around the story, been around the Christians, kind of, you know, uh, um, were, were used to the culture, but they hadn't really made the, the step of faith. They, they, they hadn't professed Christ. And so he's, he's saying, listen, I, we, we implore you. If you're not with Christ, if you haven't received the gift of reconciliation, be reconciled to God. But I think it goes beyond that. In fact, if you keep reading in chapter six, it, he says the day of salvation is now. He, he's talking not just to those who are without Christ, but to those who are with Christ. The day of us being who God has saved us to be, the ones that God has reconciled us to become, it, it's now. We are ministers of his reconciliation. We are ambassadors. Christ. This, this is kind of lost on us because we don't appreciate ambassadors in our culture the way they would have been appreciated back then. These days, leaders of countries want to talk to each other. They get on the phone. They, they video conference. They, there's like, you know, there's no problem of communication in the world we live in. If you wanted to, as a king, talk to another king, you send an ambassador. And that ambassador would be so steeped in your preferences as a king, so aware of what your policy are as a king that he could speak on your behalf. In fact, he, his job as an ambassador wasn't to speak for himself at all. When someone asked an ambassador, what's your opinion on this? He says, I don't have one. I'll tell you what my king thinks. But that's what an ambassador is truly meant to be. How awesome that you and I get to be ambassadors for Christ. To get, we get to tell people what the king thinks. And isn't it fitting? Listen, think about that word reconciliation again. It's an exchange. And so we brought nothing, and, and God the Father brought his son. 
And Jesus exchanged his life for ours. And, and we received life because he died. And all he asked for us upon receiving that reconciliation is for us, just as he stood in our place, to stand in his place. He's left to prepare a place for us, but he told his friends, hey, you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna go and make disciples. You're gonna be my ambassador and stand in my place and speak on my behalf to a world that desperately needs me. God makes his appeal to a world that needs him through his church that has found him. And that's all I got to say this morning. Except this. Thank you if you're a servant. Thank you so much. You've not just uh, understood or, or appreciated the fact that you've been reconciled freely by a God who graciously gives you his son. But you've understood the responsibility that goes with that. That you have been brought into the mission. You are a minister of his reconciliation. Thank you for being a part of that. You know, I, I walk up to people who served our country in the past or who are currently serving our country, and when I find out that they have served or are serving us, this is what I say to them. Thank you for your service. Does anybody do that? I think it's entirely fitting for us to do that. Uh, but how crazy would it be for after thanking them for their service and we go on in the conversation, if I find out that, you know, they just... Uh, you know, typed on a computer in uh, some stateside, uh, you know, post, uh, that they never served on the front lines or they never ascended to some certain rank. If I found that out, I said to them, oh, I take that back. I don't thank you for that service because it doesn't matter. It's not significant. It didn't make a difference. Okay, some of you are, are mad and want to charge the stage right now. I didn't do that, by the way. I agree with you. It would be appalling to somehow diminish the sacrifice that someone's made to be a part of our military, no matter what their post. It would be asinine for me to, to uh, say that because it wasn't on the front lines or because it wasn't the rank of colonel or above, it didn't matter. It'd be stupid because we understand that for us to appreciate and enjoy the freedoms that we have, many people do many things so that our military can be strong enough for us to have what we have. Does everybody get that? Okay, we get that. But then we come to church. And some people think, well, unless I'm a colonel, I don't want to serve. Unless I'm on the front lines, it doesn't really matter. And I'm here to tell you that's just not true. It doesn't begin to be in the zip code of true. Because everyone in here, as Paul writes in the first letter to the Corinthians, is a part of the body of Christ. Everybody plays a role. Everybody's role is significant. If you're changing diapers in our nursery, lots of things are happening there. You're loving a baby. A baby who's perhaps, uh, you know, a foster kid and hasn't been loved as he's meant to be, have been loved. His foster parents are doing their best, but you get to be a part of that chain. And as you're loving that little kid, his parents are over here, and hopefully they're being discipled in their faith. And they're growing in their knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, and they're partakers in the ministry of reconciliation as they train up their kid to become a participant in the ministry. Of, are you following me? It all matters. Some of you shook hands as greeters this morning with people, and you're like, they're not even looking at me. People are just walking right by me. But, but get this, people. Probably someone walked in here six months ago who had been away from church, hurt by church, never been to church, and you were the first one that said hi to them. 
and you made them feel welcome. And they came in here and they sat in here and they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they've been represented by one of the roses that we put on the stage up here and it all started because someone insignificantly said good morning. It all matters. It's all important. And it is on all of us who have been reconciled freely by the love and the grace of God in Christ to be a part of his work in the world. And that's why we serve. And so now, may you and I, if we are serving, continue and be reminded of the bigger picture. What I'm doing is moving the mission forward. The ministry of reconciliation is taking in place in, in whatever task I perform here at the church to the glory of God. If I'm not yet serving, <laughs> understand that that's one of the primary reasons that God saved you was for you to be a part of his work in his world so that more can know and follow him. Details, here we go. Everybody grab those cards that you sat down on. We're going to take uh, just some time with the rest of our service. I tried to end a little bit earlier this morning so that we could do this. In the rest of our service, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to close with a song, but before we do that, I'd like everybody in this room to put pen to paper and fill out for us so that we can you know, make sure our database is right, but also so that we can know what's going on around here. Uh, those top lines that say name, phone, email, which service you're a part of. If you're not sure, this is the second service on Sunday. Anyway, uh, and then... <laughs> Where you currently serve. Many of you I already serve. Have I said thank you for that yet? Thank you one more time. Uh, just, it's going to be easy for you. You're going to be done fast. Check that box. Tell us where it is. And as you finish, everybody in here, I pray, is going to take one of these cards and either walk to one of these four tables that are here in our room as you leave those doors. Or you could go outside uh, and say hi to those that you minister with. And drop it at one of their tables at the ministry fair out there. That's fine. Either way you want to do it. These guys are walking around if you're wondering what's happening with the dudes in the aisles. They got pens because we knew you wouldn't bring one. And so uh, there's, or if you didn't, great. But some of you haven't uh, started serving yet. And this is your opportunity to become a part of the ministry of reconciliation with us. Uh, you can indicate there, I would like to serve. And then there's lots of different places. I'm not going to go through each one, but there's lots of different ways. Uh, maybe as you see the descriptions there, you're like, hey, God might be able to use me there. Well, put that down, and then you could go to one of these four uh, tables and drop it in the basket, or you could go to one of these tables that represents one of these ministries and ask more questions. We'd love for either of those, but our hope is that everyone will pl uh, play. Everyone will be a part of this with us this morning, and that we'll have all these cards so that we can start calling folks and seeing how God might use you in service around here. As you get to those tables, uh, you'll see an invitation that says VIA on it. You probably read it as you walked in. VIA is a it's not a tricky thing. We're not trying to be clever with an acrostic or anything like that. It just means through, and that God works through us as his servants. And so uh, from time to time here in our church, we like to celebrate our servants next Sunday night. Uh, it's a servants-only party. If you, serve, if you serve here at our church or you're going to start serving at our church, come and hang out with us. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be uh, just reminded of how God uses people around here in glorious ways. And uh, you can be a part of that with us as well. Let me pray for us as we close. God, thanks so much for a chance to um, be reminded of the ways that you have loved and served us through your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Jesus, we thank you for um, <laughs> coming to this earth not to be served, but to serve. Thank you for the many ways that uh, uh, you have not only served us in our salvation, but have shown us what service looks like through your example as recorded in your word. 
I pray that all of us, as we uh, partake of this uh, blessed reconciliation that we've been given in you, Christ, that we would all be mindful uh, of this ministry of reconciliation you've called us to. Uh, God, cause us to serve. Help us not to grow weary in doing good. Um, Lead us into the ways that we could serve you here in your body and outside in the world that you love. Um, Use us, pour us out as your offerings. I pray in the name of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Everybody said, God bless you servants. Have a great week as you go. We'll see you next time.